When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. People are going to lose their minds. This is a moment in history unlike anything humanity's gone through. It's a very different world for humans to come. Take a step back and see the broad picture, which is the way all these technologies are interlinked. Because this is all about exponentiality, and humans can't think in exponential terms. How consequential do you want to say machine intelligence is? It's almost certainly as consequential as writing. How long did writing take to disseminate through the human population? You know, hundreds, thousands of years. And we're dealing with it now on a scale of months. But in this kind of world, you're compounding 100% growth every year. And the numbers become astronomical. AI is going to spot patterns in the world that were just completely invisible to us. Even if you think that the AI and the robots are your demise, you might as well bloody invest in them and make some money out of it. If not, you're just going to be angry man shaking your fists at the clouds. Is inflation finally tamed? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Steve Miley, co-founder and chief analyst at Trade Day. Hi, Steve. How are you? Great to have you back on. Yeah. Hey, Maggie. I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me back on. So we're a couple minutes late because we've been struggling. You know, we just ask a lot of technology and sometimes it gets pissed off at us, I guess. So poor Steve has been gamely trying to, we've been trying to deal with some audio issues. So we realize he's a little low, but hopefully you can understand it. And we felt it was worth moving forward. And it was a lot better than what we were dealing with a moment ago. So thank you for being such a trooper, Steve, and hanging with us. But, you know, we we need to talk about these markets because there's been a heck of a lot going on. We had another subdued reading on inflation that helped stocks extend Tuesday's monster rally. I mean, extend is being a little generous. It was back and forth all day, but we did see uh, we did see an advance, a nice advance by the Dow. S&P up about a tenth. NASDAQ was the one who just kind of inched over, but the Russell up a quarter. So, you know, still still in the green, given that what we the gains we saw yesterday, which I think is saying something. Treasury yields didn't see the same sort of follow through. We did have the 10 year back up above 4.5 percent, 4.53 percent. But that is after a really big move yesterday. So I'm just wondering what you're making of this market action and and the fact that we did see stocks, you know, seem to shake off a little bit of early wobbles and once again stay in the green. What are your thoughts about this market? Well, let's let's just address today. I think first of all, you know, first of all, we get PPI retail sales reinforcing the fact that the economy is holding in there um, and inflation's pushing down. Um, one thing we didn't add in there was on your recap, and I obviously appreciate there's a US focus, is we also had that UK print today on the CPI, the inflation date, which is also moving in the right direction. And the UK, you know, I'm sitting here in the UK, and that UK um, data has been very slow to move lower. So, you know, I think, you know, the global picture on inflation is looking better. We did get these mammoth moves yesterday in both bonds and in stocks. 
And then what we've really seen is just a consolidation of that in the last, you know, 24 hours, which is, you know, from a technical analyst, you know, perspective, that's good enough. You know, that's why I want to see, I want to see the market holding on. And I think what's really significant when it comes to the uh, the stock indices, there was that resilience. You said we kind of nudged into the green, kind of finished the day, kind of flat, you know, which is fine, particularly given that the, the treasury yields, you know, backed up to higher yields today, you know, mm. having having had their significant uh, plunge lowering yields yesterday. So, and that's been the tail of the tape, actually. There's been this slight dislocation between, you know, I've been talking to our users at Trade Day now for the past two months about, and they're, they're, most of them are uh, index traders, and I'm saying you have to watch the bonds. The mm-hmm. bonds have been, well, they've been the dog that's wagging the towel of the index markets, and that is you know, you've been around for a while, Maggie, and you know that's not usually the case, right? It's usually the other way around, or bonds are insignificant, or they've got less of a correlation. That correlation has been super high, and it's been bonds driving it. And um, that's kind of broken down. Even though the correlation is still po- very positive, i.e. it's in the same direction, you haven't really seen it correlate as well, particularly when bonds have gone back down to lower prices and higher yields. Equities have kind of marked time and consolidate. And again, I just think that underpins the, the equity market. This shows that, you know, if we're going to go to lower yields, we'll take that and we'll go higher. That's what stocks are telling me. And then if we don't go to, to, to lower yields, then we're kind of a bit okay with that as well. We'll just hold in. We won't do anything. Yeah, which is really interesting. And I'm so glad you brought that point up about bonds. Absolutely true, especially here in the U.S. We are very equity focused. But you know, I guess that that's the byproduct of having a super low negative interest rate environment for so long. And now you're back to what is, you know, traditionally more of a normal situation where you do have to watch what's happening with interest rates. Um, and you do have to look across assets. You know, we we never talk about FX, but that's a that's a big deal too. So we certainly try to do that. And thank you for bringing up the UK data. Super important to see that happening on a global, uh, you know scale as well, that inflation, um, that that matters a lot. So uh, interesting, a lot of the market watchers yesterday, Tony Greer made a point of this when he was on with us. We're talking about the breadth of the move we've seen this week as being really noticeable. Uh, and, a, and again, a bullish signal to them. Uh, I, I saw something today, 40 names in the S&P 500 hit 52-week highs, 40 names. Walmart and Microsoft traded back to levels that they haven't seen since they first listed in the 70s and 80s. I mean, that's pretty extraordinary and and addresses this issue, which has been a problem for so many people, that it was really limited to the Mag 7, the Magnificent 7. Does this breadth that we've seen suggest that this rally has staying power? Yeah, I, I've been asked the question. You know, is this the is Santa come early this year? We always talk about the Santa rally. You know, it's a bit of a kind of a misnomer whether it's seasonal or whether it's just, you know, just just something to talk about if the market goes up in December, right? But um, I, you know, has it come early? I think yes, he has. But I think he's coming again. That's my view. I, I think we can see this this stock index rally run. I think breadth is important. Yes, if you look at momentum indicators, you know, I'm a technical analyst at heart, you know, I, I can talk macro all day as well. But, you know, if I look at momentum indicators, they are getting a little stretched. 
they could get a little more stretch before we get into truly overbought and conditions. But, you know, those indicators don't take much to kind of, you know, we've got a long way to the end of the year yet. We're not at Thanksgiving yet. So, you know, we've got plenty of time for us to make not only back to the highs of the S&P or the Nasdaq's nearly there already to the highs of the year, but, I mean, the S&P, you know, could easily be hitting those highs from earlier on in the summer. And then, you know, I think there's even potential, maybe not for Christmas, but certainly going into January um, for us to be hitting the all-time highs. You know, we're, we're closer to the recent lows. Sorry, we're closer to the all-time highs than we are to the recent lows that we put in October. So, you know, we've come a long way, but there's potentially uh, less less distance to go to those highs. Um, and, you know, there's no reason we can't get there. Consider again a significant shift in CPI, which, you know, then the key question is, does that lead to a shift in the Fed, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get to that question, um, you sent over, we have a chart of the S&P. So what are you looking at in terms of levels, next levels that are important, that are either going to confirm, you know, that we are in this shorter term bullish trend or give you reason for pause? What are you looking at from a level perspective? Yeah, we're, we're kind of blitzed through pretty much all the retracements from the sell-off that we saw from, you know, uh, late summer, you know, and then the accelerated lower through October um, and then it, it just into November. But, you know, you've got some key peaks um, and retracement levels. 45.66 is there on the chart. And then we've got 45.97 and a half above there. You know, that's going to be critical from September. And then, you know, ultimately above there, like we're focusing in on, on that high. You know, this is on the futures market, but it's up at 46.85. You know? So I think all of those are easily attainable potentially uh, in November, early December. The question mark then is, you know, does the market have the, the legs to, to go on and hit the, the all-time high, which is, you know, up closer to 4,800. That's going to be a big ask, I think, this year. But as I say, you know, if, if you have any kind of dovish view on the Fed, you know, you could, we could easily be hitting those kind of levels. Yeah, well, which is why the Fed is going to be super important, right? And there is some concern that the speed of this rally, right, we've seen this big move in stocks, we've seen this big drop in yields, is kind of going to undo the work of the Fed. You know, will the Fed be comfortable that with, this rally and does that sort of, you know, release of animal spirits kind of counter that restrictive policy that they've been trying to pursue? What do you make of that? Or is that something that you're concerned about? I, the short answer is no. I mean, I think, you know, yes, the Fed do keep an eye on the frothiness of the market, but, you know, you know, we're not at all-time highs. You know, we're not making new all-time highs. We're far from that. You can hardly say it's been a stellar year. You know, you could, depending when you got in, you could be either offside or onside, you know, in this year so far, right? It, it, it's hardly been a, a right home about kind of year for stocks, you know, the kind of stuff. It's been very choppy. You'd say more sideways than anything else, you know, in, in, a, in a broader range. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think they're particularly worried about that. And then, you know, what's going to be more on their focus is going to be um, the potential for, you know, us to tip into recession, right? That's, that's their, you know, their, their remit. Okay, they do, we, we know they keep an eye on the stock market, right? But um, equally, you know, unless it's getting to some kind of irrational exuberance, you know, to coin Greenspan's phrase, mm -hmm. you know, so we're a long way from that, right? You know, then, and then I think, you know, there's potential, there's further upside. And I think you make a really good point on the breadth, you know, if it was just running away from it with itself and, 
wasn't any kind of solidity to it and breadth to this rally, then maybe that kind of tweaks a little bit more of concern in that if it's all in those magnificent seven. But, you know, we haven't seen that this time. So, you know, if the broader market is rallying, if the broader market is up, if, you know, the stocks across the board, you know, you, you, you spoke about Walmart, we had those target numbers today, which were great, mm-hmm. right? You know, all of that points to me that, you know, we can go higher without it being a, a major concern to the Fed, you know, and I, I think it's going to be really interesting, super interesting to see the pivots from, it's going to be the, watching the Hawks, you know, how those Hawks pivot really, you know, because the likes of Kashkar has been out there on the wires just saying it's too soon, it's too soon, it's not dead yet, right? You know, what's it going to take for someone like Kashkari to to kind of sh- to have a shift? And is any kind of hint that someone like him has kind of steps, it only needs to be a moderate step. You know, he's not going to give up his hawkish view, but a moderate step away from that view, then, you know, you could just see a, a, a very quick move from the markets and from the Fed to, to you know, rate cuts coming even earlier um, than when we're, what we're pricing in right now, I think. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's so interesting because that that interplay between the recession and do we get a pivot to cuts is something that uh, Steve McGlurg of Valkyrie was talking about. He and Ash had the opportunity to sit down and talk on the platform uh, a little earlier this week. And he definitely had some some sort of concerns about about how that interplay was going to work. Let's have a listen and we'll talk on the other side. Yeah, sure. We're entering into a new election cycle. And uh, even though the Fed isn't supposed to be political, it has become political over the last uh, six to eight years. And when we have an economy where inflation is still pretty high on the things that matter, inflation is lower on things that don't matter, you know, uh, and uh, and at the same time, you're starting to see uh, job losses and lack of job growth and uh, general signs of a recession. Uh in, in, including an inverse uh, curve. So all of those factors are going to force the Fed into and to begin to think about lowering rates again. Uh, it probably won't happen until uh, May or June of this coming year, uh, but I do expect to see the Fed begin to lower rates at about a 25 basis point clip all the way into the election cycle, which uh, which 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 really will will, will be in October. That full discussion, you can see there's a whole panel there. Uh, is available on our platform. It included, it wasn't just on macro, it also crossed over and included a conversation about crypto, digital space, um, whether or not we're going to see that Bitcoin spot ETF. Um, Really interesting conversation. If you're watching on YouTube and you are not a full member, jump on a trial and head over to app.realvision.com so you can get access to all of that. Um, Worth asking perhaps here, um, Steve, before we continue, I want to talk about treasuries, but are you are you trading in or watching Bitcoin, ETH, or Solana right now? They've been on fire. Um, it's not something that I have a real focus on, no. But I mean, I, I have been, you know, watching the fact that they, you know, we're, we're seeing some significant moves in that, those those. Um, and I think it kind of sits with that risk on move, right? And you know, um, given that you got that correlation going now, I was looking at the correlation last last week. And given that you got that positive correlation going on, you know, with my view here on stock, you know, I couldn't be anything but bullish and continue to be, you know, bullish on uh, on the kind of breakouts you're seeing on the in the whole crypto space and uh, particularly those. 
Yeah, it's piqued a lot of people's attention. We're going to talk a little bit. The Crypto Academy dropped today, folks. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about it at the end. But Artur is in the chat on the platform. If you have any questions, um, you can hit him up there. Really important time to sort of plug in and pay attention. If you went through the last cycle, a lot of lessons to be learned and maybe corrected on this one. Um, and if you're new to the space, sat it out last time, but want to get involved and know more, now's the time. I'll tell you how you can get to that Crypto Academy in just a little bit. So uh, Steve, treasuries, you mentioned before, they have been key. We have the sense here they're going to continue to be. Um, where do you see treasury yields moving from here? Yeah, well, obviously we had that big rejection up at 5% on the 10 year, right? Um, and then we kind of went into a consolidation phase up until about a week or so ago. Uh, but then we broke down through some really significant levels of, from yield terms. We put in a, a topping pattern went in from a technical analysis perspective, you know, and you look on the, the bottom on the prices, it's almost like a, it's almost like an inverse head and shoulders you've got down on the US 10 yen uh, on the futures. Um, so it's interesting that 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 bottoming pattern and price and topping pattern on yield is very much in place. And, you know, as you said earlier, we're sitting around the four and a half percent level. We're kind of just backed up above there. Right. We're talking yeah. about the 10 year here, correct? 10 year. Yeah. Yeah. I think we might have a chart. I don't know if they can pull it up. I don't know if it'll mess with our signal, but um, so what, where do you see what, So, right. We had that big rejection, the patterns shaping up. What do you see happening from here? Yeah. So then all the risk is then on the 10 year is like for an acceleration still lower. You know, we're kind of had the like consolidation phase. We, we signaled that um, higher yield top, and then um, for me, that is pointing. You know, if, if you if we're seeing a four and a half, and you've got the five percent peak, and now where are the risks? The risk is closer for me to four percent. I'm like sixty-five percent, thirty-five percent. You'll see four percent before five percent. Wow. What part of the curve? I know you look across the curve. What part of the curve do you think offers the most opportunity? From a technical perspective, you know, from here, you'd have to say really the, the twos to play catch up, you know, and, and that sits with the kind of view of, you know, they've, they've all got basing patterns on price or topping patterns on yield, you know, across, across twos, fives, tens, uh, is wherever you look, right? But we've had the, you know, the, the, the bigger moves, you know, arguably been in thirties and tens, and, and it's maybe the time for the short end to play catch up. And that's going to, need a hint right it's going to need a hint and it sits well with you know from a from a, a technical city with my macro view that the, the fed take this kind of dovish shift and um i'm not talking about dovish shift you know i i know you watch the sound bite there talking about you know rate rate cuts coming in may but that's pretty much what the curve's pricing in you know you look at um fed funds and and on the futures market that's where it's pricing in that it's it's may june that's when the cut's coming i think there's risk that the the yield curve, the the interest rate, the short-term interest rate curve, and then in turn the stock indices get ahead of themselves. Yeah, you know, the markets always further than they should, right? And there's a good chance 10 years are down at 4%. We get some kind of explosion up in price on two years. They play catch up. And I think that's triggered by any kind of signal that the Fed is stepping to away from hawkishness to dovishness. I think you can see a, a, a real explosion, particularly in the short end, where now we had a lot of big players in the last two three months who have advocated, you know, aggressive short positioning. You know, I think the last time we were on that that was just start. Last time I was on that was just starting, and um, I think Rose saying, yeah, we need to back away from our long bond view for now, right? Well, I think you know what we're seeing now is that there's a real risk that we could get that that long bond view for me is about to come into fruition, mm -hmm. and some of the 
sort of been in for the last three or four months. Most of them are probably a lot of them have probably been squeezed out at the longer end, but I don't think they're out on the short end. And that's where that's where the potential tension point is. And that short end is obviously driven again. I'm back to the Fed, right? Yeah. Great point that maybe they're not out of the short end. Um everybody who's gonna roll up or else gonna be doing an AMA, um, it would be worth asking him um about that because he did he's been bullish bonds, but he was frustrated by the timing. So be interested to see on the short end, because we did have that divergence. We still have people, by the way, who believe that inflation is going to be sticky, that the market is overshooting and is got the macro theme wrong. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. When, you, when you're talking about overshooting, they're, they're talking about from a fundamental, they just, they just think that, that this is sort of probably a bear trap. But when you're looking at this, Steve, do you think that in the short term, it sounds like you're very bullish and there's a lot of momentum. But in the more intermediate term, you feel like there might be a correction coming because this is happening so fast that they're going to have to sort of have a consolidation phase, stocks and possibly bonds. I, I think I'd have to come back. It's what I always used to do, and I'm an analyst at art, is I have to sort of just ask a question on that one is where's your intermediate term? I mean, for me, I, I, you know, as I've said there, you know, from now through to December, for me, it's 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 bond prices up, stock prices up, lower yields. That's where we're going. And incidentally, we haven't even spoken about the dollar. But I think the dollars are going to end up getting crushed. But then equally, um, you know, I think there is a gut check on all of this. The gut check for me doesn't come from till the early part of next year. And I think that'll be then. I think we could easily see, you know, some recessionary pressures coming through. That's more my view, rather than the stickiness of inflation and then the potential for the Fed to go more hawkish. It's like, well, actually, have we done too much damage? Has had mm-hmm. not just global central banks, you know, put the brakes on too hard, and we are going to, uh, you know, head into recession? Because you have to remember, like, if you look in Europe, we've been teetering on the edge. You know, the US is, is you know, some ways away, but, you know, in Europe, UK, you know, Germany, um, we've been teetering on the edge of recession, you know, on and off in the year for the last nine, 12 months. You know, we've had flat quarters of growth, you know, slightly negative, and then that just then maybe had a, a slightly positive quarter of growth. So we're, we're in sort of de facto, you know, like a hard, soft landing at the moment in, yeah. uh, in Europe. But, um, you know, it's whether... The U.S. can get through that, and 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 I think we will have a wobble. We will have a gut check. We will have a consolidation phase, maybe the beginning of next year. But then we could easily see, you know, the the Fed's got a lot of bullets in the gun, and that's where then we could even see a, a signal that they're going to be even more uh, an even more rapid shift. And that's why I think we could see the first rate cut as early as March. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because, um, you know, this pivot and and the very bullish reaction from stocks is great, except that if it's happening and there's a recession, then everything depends on how steep that recession is. I mean, it's like, you know, that weakness is good news until it's really bad news, because then we're seeing that lag effect happen. And what does that mean for the economy and earnings? That that part of it is sort of, you know, not in the discussion at the moment because we're at this transition period. Um, Want to get your thoughts on oil. I know you're looking at that, too. The pullback in oil is part of what's been helping presumably take some of the pressure off the inflation story. Yeah, and that, you know, again, you know, I look at the technicals first of all. You know, we broke a key trend line that goes all the way back um, to May. 
um, on the oil chart. Also a topping pattern went in there, you know, so yeah, there you see it, you've got the trend line. Uh, we went and held kind of at the kind of final retracement and important final retracement level. That retracement level, just looking at my charts here, comes in around, um, yeah, where are we? 73 bucks, we bounced off of pretty much around 75. But you know, if you look at the chart, it doesn't take a great technical analyst to be able to see we're in a succession of lower lows and lower highs. We've just had a rebound. I think the most interesting thing for me here, um, and you know, as sad and as awful as everything that's going on in the Middle East is, when we got that 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 breakout um, in in the in the tensions of the war broke out effectively, um, the October rally failed way below. Uh, where we'd already been in September, that September high, and then we only rallied to 89.85. And that tells me that, you know, on one of the kind of worst fundamental events that should have seen oil flying higher, um, the market had no appetite to be up there, you know, pushing it back above 90. Um, and we fell back miserably down from there, given we don't get anything escalating within the broader region. Now, my view, you know, if I just look at the technical chart we're in a downtrend now all the risk is break through 75 and we're closer to 70 and as you point out there right you know sometimes oil is seen as a you know goes with risk on risk off but at the moment you know in, in an inflationary phase you know we want oil lower and i might point out as well you know i i cover the natural gas uh, charts uh, for some clients here in europe and, and in the uk and um those charts are still being you know, very much in a downtrend so that's gonna you know help that whole inflationary picture and particularly in europe where the, the natural gas uh, problem is uh, you know far more acute than it is in the us so great question here from boris i want to make sure we get to a couple of them uh, hi steve do you think it might be a good time to add some small and mid-cap exposure or do you expect the mega cap outperformance to also characterize 2024? Great question, Boris. Yeah, it's a good question. He's caught me a bit as well. Um, well, it's, just, it's also, we could say, the million dollar question because it's kind of what everybody's been angst about because they sort of hate that, that outperformance and leadership. They'd like to see it broaden out, but it's been hard to bet against those names. I mean... I think the dominance will be less, but I still still think they'll be dominant. That will be my view. You know, I look at my own portfolio. What do I own? That's what I own, right? You know, kind of stuff. So I own those mega caps. I mean, I think, yes, probably in the short term, given the breadth we're seeing, um, you could possibly see some outperformance. But then equally, you know, growth stocks, big tech, you know, are more sensitive to interest rates. So, you know, if, if my view is, which it is, that, you know, potentially Fed are going to shift to more dovish for get an earlier uh, rate cut than the market is pricing in, then, you know, that just says that big tech, you know, keeps its leadership very much intact. I think the leadership's less, but I think that leadership stays intact. It would certainly make up a lion's share and does make up a lion's share of, of my portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Boris, there's one of the reasons we, we we stay on the AI issue is because a lot of people are trying to look at that trend and figure out how far does it move down the food chain? Can smaller companies use that to help their earnings as a tool, as a productivity tool, or is the CapEx spend on that, you know, a wash? And, you know, does that have an impact? You know, David, 
um, has uh, just David Matten um, and Rob just put out the exponential list. This is the kind of these are the kind of questions they're looking at when they're trying to figure out how does this feed down to the bottom line and what does it mean for that kind of question, that sort of huge exponential tech issue. Um, you know, can it can it be democratized down through the food chain to these smaller mid mid cap companies? I think that's going to be really important to look at as we turn the corner in these next two years. Um, and and something will stay on at Real Vision as well. Um, uh, Ralph asking, what is your view? You mentioned Europe before. What's your view of the DAX, CAC, FTSE, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've seen slight underperformance compared to the US um, and probably look for that to to continue. But, you know, following, you know, following higher. And um, the one thing you have to say is, you know, the ECP, you know, are you know, eternal doves, you know, they were they were late to the party, late to the party in hiking. Um, but I, I think they'll probably be late to the party in the cuts as well. So that would be the thing that I'd be more concerned about that, you know, you'll keep leadership in the US because the Fed are going to be the, the central bank that's most, they're almost certainly going to be the first to cut, right? Um, there's a really good chance that you might see it elsewhere. You could see someone like, you know, Australia cut, you know, or New Zealand maybe, but, you know, you're not going to get it from the UK, in my view, um, first. And, you know, I, I think the ECB, super conservative, right, and are more likely to be slow to, as slow to cut as they were to hike. So, um, and that probably means that European stock indices um, continue with some underperformance. Interesting. We have a couple of questions about gold. I know you're looking at that as well. What do you see happening in gold? Yeah, well, we have had a dip back lower more recently, um, but then, you know, in the last week or so, getting that rebound, um, having had that strong rally up from, just double checking the charts here, from October. So, you know, you got that October spurt higher, um, kind of, um, you've had some of that dislocation because it was trading very much um, in line with stock indices, which is not the norm. You know, that's not the long run correlation, but it's almost trading uh, with risk on. And we're starting to see that again a little bit. And as I, I hinted at uh, earlier on, and, you know, I, I haven't got a chart for you guys, but I, I am really bearish the dollar. I'm super bearish the dollar. And the, the correlation that has worked really is that the inverse correlation between gold and the dollar. So if you think the dollar's going down, um, and with my view on the Fed, uh, with the view, my view on U.S. interest rates, you know, you there's a real potential. That's become a super. When we talked about the bonds, the bond trade, the 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 long dollar trade is super crowded. So um, you've had some unwind of that. But I think there's a lot, lot more of that to happen. Um, and if we see that start to accelerate, you could easily see gold not only back up to the highs. You know that we saw uh, more recently around 2020, 2030 kind of area, but you know, back up to the all-time highs. You know, and again. Not a not a, a Christmas kind of present there, I don't think, but probably a Q1 event, maybe up to the all time highs. Fantastic stuff, Steve. Great stuff. We 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 managed to sort of make it make it all the way around. I'll I'll just leave you with a final question, and um, we've got we've got a lot of the the family, the RV family in the chat uh, as well. But um, Ben asking, uh, could the speed and size of the rally since November? Uh, be related to shorts dropping out. I think we see that shorts are getting squeezed, but let me let me phrase that another way, which is what happens moving forward. Do we see people chasing performance? How much of that would will be a factor that those people who are locked in those shorts, you just mentioned people, the long dollar trade is crowded. We still have people potentially in a short bond trade. Uh, we know people sat out the tech rally, just sort of hating the, the Magnificent Seven. 
um, and, and really sort of staying committed to that. What happens now that we've seen these markets kind of break out? Do we see people have to readjust and chase them higher through the year end? I mean, again, short on space. Yes, I don't think there's like been a massive like short trade like we've had like the the short trade in bonds and the um, the, uh, the long trade in, in the dollar. I don't think it's like crowded in like a short, but I think like more like underweight, which is mm. which is what's saying to me. This is not fast. Any fast money shorts in stocks are almost certainly out. Right, we're back to the highs on that aspect. Right, they're not holding on to those. So you know, on the, from the fast money side, you know, hedge funds are way out. They're probably flipped along now, in my opinion. Um, but then what we're I think we're seeing is the the real money. Um, you know, the, the long the long term long only money is you know is underinvested. You know, I, I, I caught the. Um, Oh, God, I, I'm going back sometime. I was a, a Merrill Lynch back in the day, but it used to be the Merrill Lynch Investor Survey based out of the Bank of America um, that is now run by Michael Hartney. And I caught that. And there's still huge positioning in cash. There's still mm-hmm. huge positioning um, from the from the the you know the long only the real money accounts. And I think that has potentially all got put to be put to work. You know, maybe that that helps with the 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 that whole seasonality of, of year end. Maybe it's like we have to be in at the beginning of the year. And it kind of it all plays back into the 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 picture I'm kind of trying to paint that you know this I think there's a lot of there's a real feeling of we've come a long way really quick. Right, we grabbed the headlines last Thursday because we just missed out on that nine day rally on the S and P, right, which would have been a twenty decade like record or whatever it was. Um, but I mean, I think you know, and that feels like oh, this is this is frothy, right? It's over. Mm. It's going on, but you now I think there's a there's still a, a lot more of that to potentially come, and you know it's almost like the stars are a little bit aligning for it to go significantly higher uh, in the short to intermediate term. There will be uh, a correction and a consolidation, but I don't. For me, this is not a bear market rally. This is the start of something uh, more significant to the upside. All right, fasten your seatbelts. Great point about all that money in cash. We're gonna have to watch that. Steve, always great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, no problem at all, Maggie. I'm glad we got through the sound held out. So uh, yeah, it certainly did. If there's a will, there's a way. And uh, Nick and, and Brian are the best, so they're always going to figure out something. Um, we we mentioned, um, you know, that that piece from Ash and the crypto conversation. Uh, I mean, they're they're some of the best performing assets this year. Talk about no one expecting that, except maybe Raul. So uh, just a programming note to everyone: it is officially the first day of the Crypto Academy, students now have, and those who have signed up have access to the first two episodes of the OSF and Mando series on crypto investing. Uh, also a curated selection of episodes designed to help you in the game of investing. Everything that's available in the Crypto Academy can be found by searching for Crypto Academy on the Real Vision platform. Don't forget, people are minting their soulbound NFTs too. So if you haven't enrolled yet, we still have some lifetime access passes available go to realvision.com forward slash crypto academy. And as I mentioned before, Raul's going to be here for an AMA on Friday. He's on his own, unhinged, unconventional, let loose with drinks. Watch out, everybody. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, So make sure you mark your calendars for that as well. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate the great questions. We'll see you the same time tomorrow. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. People are going to lose their minds. This is a moment in history unlike anything humanity's gone through. It's a very different world for humans to come. 
take a step back and see the broad picture, which is the way all these technologies are interlinked. Because this is all about exponentiality and humans can't think in exponential terms. How consequential do you want to say machine intelligence is? It's almost certainly as consequential as writing. How long did writing take to disseminate through the human population? You know, hundreds, thousands of years. And we're dealing with it now on a scale of months. But in this kind of world, you're compounding 100% growth every year and the numbers become astronomical. AI is going to spot patterns in the world that were just completely invisible to us. Even if you think that the AI and the robots are your demise, you might as well bloody invest in them and make some money out of it. If not, you're just going to be angry man shaking your fists at the clouds. Thank you.